Hey guys, Kate here. Today we're taking an inside look at our e-design process. It's one of these services that can be a little tricky for designers wondering how do we compete with the other e-design services that are out there? And that's an understandable question, but today we're going to tackle that question as well as things like your process and what to include and how do you charge for these services and how do you sell it to your clients? Um, we think this is a really valuable service to have in your um, menu of services and we think you're really going to enjoy it. Today's episode is brought to you by Designers Oasis. You guys, this has been a passion project of mine for years and it's finally getting the time and attention it deserves. I wanted to create an online hub for designers to access resources to help you run your business. It's a place to get e-courses, templates, calculators, estimating tools, and more time-saving and confidence-boosting design resources. And there'll be loads of tools added as I build it out. But right now you can access the free space planning quick reference guide, a printable to make space planning quick and effortless. You can sign up for the upcoming e-course on how to accurately budget for furnishings or join me one-on-one -on -one with Mentor by Design. If you've ever needed a quick call to help you get unstuck in your design business, head on over to designersoasis.com and stop going it alone. Hey, I'm Kate Bendewald. And I'm Leslie Myrick. We're interior designers who've been meeting every Friday for coffee to discuss the ins and outs, ups and downs of running our design business and decided to hit the record button. We are designers getting coffee with each other and now you. While some might choose to guard the hard-earned secrets of their design success, we've chosen to support, encourage, and empower one another to be the most kick-ass business owners possible. Welcome to the Designers Getting Coffee podcast, real talk about running your design business with head and heart. Come join the conversation. This is episode 19, an inside look at our e-design process. Good morning, Leslie. Good morning, Kate. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm battling a little bit of this nagging cough. But you are a warrior, Kate. I'm you will overcome this cough. Uh, yeah, I, it's been about a week. I kind of have a funny story to tell you, though, okay. um, about my cough. I had a pretty big consultation this morning. Or sorry, this morning. See? This week. <laughs> Brain not working with cough. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, it, it's a whole house renovation and furnishings, two floors, 2,000 square feet, lake house on an island, like big deal, big project. And I had this cough and I thought, gosh, I don't want to show up this consultation with a cough. So I stopped at the pharmacist to, and talked to the pharmacist at CVS and was like, what can I take that won't make me drowsy? And whatever he gave me made me so loopy <laughs> and made me feel high as a kite and crazy. Luckily, it was a two and a half hour drive to this consultation. So by the time I got there, it kind of worn off. But wait, did you drive when you were high and loopy on no, cough meds? <laughs> no, I did have to stop and ask ask my assistant to drive for me. But I, at first, I thought I was getting car sick, and then I was just like, "Oh my gosh, this is the weirdest feeling ever! Make it stop." Anyway, I don't know. It was mucinexium, but yeah. Word of the word of warning: if you. <laughs> <laughs> be careful if you take that stuff. It will make you bonkers. Um, but yeah, it ended up coming out during the consultation that because it's a friend of mine, somebody that I know, it's her parents' house. So um, I had to apologize at one point because I was just like, I still kind of don't feel like myself. <laughs> anyway, apparently she had taken the same thing at some point in her life and had a very similar experience. So she was very empathetic. But um, 
yeah, it was just not a good day to have a cough or to take um, medicine that you're unfamiliar with how it works for you. <laughs> so I love it. Anyway. So you essentially showed up kind of high to a consultation. <laughs> I don't, there's no other way to put that, but yeah. yeah. I love we it. Made it. We made it work. Yeah. Melissa it still went well really though? Well. Oh yeah, for sure. We're, we're moving forward. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So f- forgive me it. if I sound a little, uh, sound a little, uh, nasally today or raspy voice, but I feel, I feel okay. Otherwise I'm looking forward to the weekend. Glad to be talking about e-design today. It's, um, I it's know a- you are so jacked about this topic. I saw you type in your notes for our discussion today and you're just, <sighs> you've got them all. Well, you know, I like e-design because not only can it work for people who um, or potential clients who don't live in the same town if you, as you, broadening your you know area and where you work, but it can also work for clients in the same town who uh, maybe ha- are on a smaller budget or, and just aren't a good fit for full service. So um, I think it's a good service to have in your list of services or your menu of services. Um, we talked about that a couple of episodes ago. And so today we're just going to dive into how we do our process and yeah. some of the things that we think are important to include and things to think through, whether you're already providing this service or um, if it's something you're thinking about adding. So yeah. What, um, did you, Was eDesign something that you had right from the beginning when you started working for yourself? It was, yeah. It was definitely a service that I was familiar with. I had worked for another designer in LA who offered that. She was kind of one of the pioneers of the virtual interior design model. And I just thought it was a good option. Not everybody has the budget or need for full service. And in fact, those clients are becoming fewer and further between nowadays. And I think e-design is a great way to still give high-touch, personalized service without, honestly, the inconvenience of in-person meetings and contractors and not to say that they're bad, but you know, it's it's a lot to manage and maintain. And I think e-design is a really great way that you can give you, they can work with you directly. And it takes away a lot of the headache of design projects like procurement and installation (laughs) and all that stuff. So yeah, I've I've had them for a while. I don't sell a ton of them. I don't market them heavily either. I mean, while they are while they can be profitable, the the big thing I've learned, the key with them really is to be profitable, you have to be fast at sourcing and know where to go to find the right things to put these plans together quickly. Otherwise, these end up being kind of full service level quality at a fraction of what you would actually charge a full service client. So I think they're a great option when they're done right. Exactly. And I want to get into that. I want to first back up a little bit and just talk to our listeners as if they've never heard of eDesign before. I I think most of our listeners have and either are considering adding the service or they already are. Um, But just in case, I think we should clarify that eDesign is a virtual design service, usually done via video conference and email. So it's not in person. And the way it usually works is that you give the client homework and the client's homework is to take photos and dimensions of their own space and send those to you. And then you guys talk and figure out what is what it is that they really need. You put together a design and you hand off this design for them and they do their own purchasing and, and put the room together. And so that's the gist of eDesign. Leslie, would you what would you add to that? 
I think that's pretty much it. In fact, I think it's interesting that you have a video component because mine have not included that typically. I work off a questionnaire model, so meaning I send them a detailed questionnaire to get their answers before we start, but I'm not opposed to the idea of doing a 20-minute call or something. I think that's that's a neat way to bring a bit more high touch to it, especially if you are charging a premium for this. But yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much the process from start to finish. They do a lot of the legwork that normally you would be doing in person. You still do the design. You source all the key pieces. I mean, you're not sourcing every picture frame and vase and, you know, knickknack for bookshelves, but you're giving them a complete design plan with the key pieces, even maybe some accessories, so that they can pull it all together on their own. Yeah. So let's... Um... I think it's helpful for us to talk through a little bit about our processes, 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 and see <laughs> how are they the same and how are they different. And then I think there's some really important business things to think about. For example, you know, thinking through what elements will you include, um, and how does that justify your price point? I think the big question for a lot of designers is we see. A handful of, and I'm not going to name names, but virtual online design companies who are offering e-design services, and I'm using air quotes here, at a fraction of the cost of what you and I would charge or do charge. Yeah. And so I think for a lot of designers, the question is like, I would never, they're saying to themselves, I would never be able to do it for that price. I just, I like, I wouldn't be profitable or make any money. It's not worth it to me. And so I think today I want to outline how you and I add a ton of value to it that sets our services apart from a lot of those sort of mass produced e-design services that are so popular and that I think typical homeowners think of when they think of e-design. And so yeah. you have to really be able to sell that value to them. So thinking about what will you include to, to justify your value? How can you make it profitable for you? Um, thinking about uh, what information do you need to give the client to make it easy for them? Um, and how do you just communicate to your client? So Leslie, I want you to start. Can you kind of walk me through high level what your process looks like uh, when you're, you've talked to a client, you've discovered e-design is really the way to go. And yeah. is e-design what you call it? Or you always have great names for your services. Mm. What do you? It is e-design, but I have packaged it as a design kit. Like here, I love the idea of like a kit, like a little box <laughs> or something with all yeah. the supplies you need. So it is a design kit. And it's funny you mention on a call, you determine that e-design is the best fit because that is how I do it. I have every new potential client at this point book a consultation call, a complimentary 20-minute consultation call so that I can get to know them, find out more about their needs, and that's where I can recommend the best design package. A lot of times it is e-design. I will say I used to start the process by having like a shopping cart on my website. You know, I had click and buy, a dining room design kit, a living room design kit, you know, thinking in the mindset of let's make this more like the the mass e-design programs that are more available or an Amazon mentality of click and buy. And I had all those links and I sold thousands of design kits and I was rolling in money and I retired at 25. No, I sold zero. <laughs> it was so overwhelming for people to come to my website and be like, here are yeah. 75 options for design packages. Pay me money now. Like it just, it didn't make sense. With the level that we're at, Kate, and the kind of high touch businesses we have, I just don't feel like a click and buy model 
works well for what I want to do for e-design. So all that rambling and lying about making money is getting me to say, yes, on the initial consultation call is when I can make that recommendation to a client that I do think that is the best package for them. Often it has to do with simply location and not having a budget to travel, but um, project budget does play a big part in it because if there's a more modest budget, you don't want to eat up 75% of your budget on design fees and not have much to show for it. So it is a great recommendation for I mean, let's just say it for projects with a smaller budget that don't really warrant full service as well. Right. We should talk about what um, what type of client is is best geared towards uh, e-design. And I think it's you can have somebody and if they have a maybe a, a modest budget or they're very value driven, um, but they're super busy professionals or parent with like five kids or something like that. Um, even somebody that's too busy to, to do the process might not be a good fit. And you might have to tell them, look, this isn't going to be a good value for you because you're not going to have the time to execute on it. And I'm, and I'm worried that you're going to feel like you didn't get out of it what you could have. And I've had to have those hard conversations. There is a, a decent amount of time required by your client to do their part. And I think that's something that um, you really have to make sure that you're working, you're suggesting it to a client who has that time and willingness and gumption to do that um, budget aside. So, um, well, yes, but I'm going to play devil's advocate here and say, I think as designers, we feel a lot of responsibility in getting people through to the end, to the finish line. That's not what every client wants. And if they know what your parameters are and that your part is the design, I think there's something to be said for also being willing to let go of responsibility at that point and the client can do with that information what they wish. It's hard though, because you're right. You don't want them to invest in something and then feel like, you know, this wasn't worth it, but it's also not your job at that point with e-design to get them to the finish line. I would say at that point, but it's definitely worth having the conversation with them up front. So they are, their expectations are there. Yes, that's huge. And and that they know what is required of them on their part. And I think that there are some clients that do, uh, in fact, I would say most clients need a little bit of handholding in the execution phase just to make sure that they don't get stuck and that they feel supported and that they can feel um excited about it again. But I don't want to derail this too much yet. Go ahead and finish talking about your your process. So you have a you you have a phone call, you decide that they're a good fit, and then what's the first step? An invoice to pay for it up front. <laughs> okay, that might not Wait, so they're so they're all paid up and then what's next? Yes. So the way the way mine start is I have a sort of a resource email I send them with first steps. Actually that's a lie. I thought even an email anymore. I built something way cooler. I have each client. Okay. This is kind of cool and nerdy. So I, my website's on WordPress. And what I've done is I've created a template, basically an online welcome kit for my design kit, my e-design clients. And it's just a simple password protected page and they get the password and the link and they can go in. It's kind of cool. Like it's behind a wall. So it looks exclusive. And in there is, you know, here's a link to 
um, how to photograph your room. Because some people, if you leave them to their own devices, will not take the pictures that you need as a designer to get enough information about the room. There is a guide to how to measure your room. Because a lot of homeowners are going to get hung up on thinking like, well, I don't know how to do that. It's not that hard, but we also know it's not that hard because we do it all the time. Homeowners are overwhelmed by these things. So to give them clear instructions on how to photograph their room, how to measure a room, where, where to send me all that information, and how to create a Pinterest board with some visuals that are going to help guide the project. So they get this really cool um, online kickoff kit. And it also has a link in there to the questionnaire I mentioned earlier where they can fill out and go in a little bit more detail about what, you know, likes, dislikes, what they're looking for, any pieces they really want to keep, any pieces they cannot wait to get rid of and replace. So it really becomes an, um, a single web page kind of hub for them with all the resources and guidance that they need to um, start their part of the project. Now, if you don't have the, the tech savviness to do your own web page, that's totally okay. This can be a one-page PDF download. It can be um, a Google canned response template email that you have made up before. So there's lots of ways to do it, but basically you want to send some sort of welcome kit or getting started document so that they know exactly what to do to get started. They're excited and they can get you the information that you actually need to do their project. Exactly. No, mine's very similar. Um, mine is not on a website. It is in a PDF. It, the PDF does have links to certain things. Um, but yeah, all of that is, I would say, just about the same. There might be one, there's, there are two things that I do have in there, which yours may have, and maybe you just didn't mention it, but um, how to measure furniture, <laughs> because a lot of times clients have, you know, like one or two key pieces that they know they're going to keep. And so I have them take a good, like clean head on photo of that, along with dimensions. Um, and a, a lot of times length versus width for yes, people, can throw and people depth off. can, yeah. So just making sure that you're using the same language there. Um, and then how to measure windows. Um, so that I can provide window window treatment options as well um, is in there. And then I do set a deadline for them once they get all of this information to get everything to me in one one email. I don't want 500 emails. Ooh, I like with, that. And absolutely no texting me photos. So it needs to be one single email where they upload the photos and they send me their, their sketches. And uh, yeah, so... Um, so then after we get all of their homework, so to speak, how, what about budget? How do you, how do you determine the budget for your clients? Do you do that with That's them? That's a great or? question. Usually, oh, you know, it's actually been probably a year since I've done an e-design project. So it's not fresh in my head. It's something that I believe I include in my questionnaire. But if that's not the way you want to do it, it's an important conversation to have because I feel like e-design clients are... Not that people are not budget conscious, everybody is, but I think there's going to be an expectation of what the budget is at a fixed number. And it's really good to know that upfront, whether you do do it on a phone call. Kate, I know that instead of a questionnaire, you do something a little bit different. Is that where you talk budget? Um, yeah. So after I get all of their homework, um, I do ask them upfront, do they have a budget in mind? Um, and then when we have the, 
after I get all their homework, we have a one hour deep dive. And in this deep dive, we are meeting virtually with either Skype or FaceTime, some way for them to be able to walk me through their space um, visually. While I can get a good sense of a space through photos and a sketch, I think that just gives clients a little extra boost of confidence that I've really kind of seen the space and I'm using air quotes here um, because that is a virtual tour. Um, but it certainly is helpful um, to do that for me regardless. Um, I get to see kind of the rest of the home too and how it relates to the space that we're working on um, as well as just get a really good um, feel for the client's personality and um, interview them a little bit more about what their specific needs are. Because up to this point, I've only had, you know, a, a quick 20 minute phone call. Um, I think this, I think this one-on-one -on -one meeting gives them that extra high touch point that underscores the value of it. And you're not going to get that with the online mass models of <laughs> e-design. No, and so that goes back to what we talked about price. I mean, we haven't talked pricing specifically, but this has to be a premium service. Like they are getting you directly one-on-one -on -one for this one hour deep dive for a custom design. So yeah, I mean, guys, don't try to compete with the $79 room designs on the no. internet. You will lose and you will be sad and homeless because you won't make any money. <laughs> so... So do yeah. like, do what Kate does. She's good. So yeah, I mean the budget gets out gets fleshed out through the design process. I do a concept design just like I do in full service, and at that at the concept at the end of the concept design phase, we've figured out what a furniture layout should be, and once we've done that, then we can really hone in on a budget. So I'll ask them for their ideas on what it should be, but it's not until the concept design where I sort of itemize what it is that we really need for the space down to like curtain rod, you know, yeah. when they see everything listed out like that, and then I give them a good, better, best model, then they're like, oh, okay, I see that I really do need to plan on spending more money on this. But just throwing out an arbitrary number, like a couple thousand dollars, there's no context to it or meaning behind it. And so I think it's important while you can collect that information from them, you shouldn't be bound by it. You should show them what it's actually going to take and yeah. um, help them just understand it. So that's how I do it is after the concept phase, which is the first step after I do my deep dive. So you show them a concept and get feedback from them before you actually make confirm selections or does the concept include Correct. some actual selections and you're kind of like no. testing the waters? Nope. No. So my concept design phase is just like my full service design. They're going to get um, a PDF, which is going to include a little snippet of what's to come. But at this point, I haven't actually sourced anything. It's pretty much a planning phase and it's required to do the job anyway. It's not an extra step, which I think some people at first glance, that might be their knee-jerk reaction, but it's very necessary. So it includes a mood board, and that's just setting the tone and the color palette based on what we've talked about and what I understand about the client and the home. It includes a budget, which is um, an itemized list of what it is that we are going to need to source for the space. Um, it includes a a room layout. So generally speaking, let me back up for a second. Generally speaking with e-design, these are one room makeovers. Correct. So yeah. I'm the not scope is very defined as one room. I'm, 
Yes, I'm not going to be doing e-design for somebody who needs a coffee table here, a lamp in a bedroom, a nightstand in a guest room, and a window covering in their kids' room. Like, that's just not a good fit for me in any way. (laughs) So e-design is really for somebody that's doing a whole room makeover. Um, So this room is clearly defined. We're giving it an overhaul. We may be working with one or two key pieces, but generally speaking, we're getting all new stuff. Yes. Um, So anyway, they get a furniture room layout. And if it's a kitchen, then we're, I I don't do um, reconfigurations of kitchen and e-design. So I won't space plan for you, even though I, I feel like I could. It's just a liability I'm not willing to take on but they have. I give them um, suggestions for how to do that affordably with somebody in person that can do a layout. But what I do in that case is all of the finishes and fixtures. So countertop material, cabinetry material, paint color, whatever the case may be, plumbing, fixtures, appliances, lighting, and all of that. Um, so anyway, they get a furniture room layout and that defines what we need. So let's just take a living room, for example. Let's say we're going to do a pair of facing sofas and a pair of swivel chairs anchored by a 36-inch round coffee table. We need a, but uh, I'm suggesting we do a sofa table behind one of them and a couple of ottomans and then we need some accessories. And, and a rug. Don't forget the rug. And, oh, yes. Rug. We're going <laughs> to do, do a new pendant light. We're going to do some wallpaper in there. Yeah. Fresh coat of paint. Um, you know, you just itemize all the things you're going to want to do in there. So, and then sorry, to, there, be, to be clear on what you include, it's mostly like, you know, rugs, major lighting pieces, major mm-hmm. furnishing pieces. Do you, and you said some accessories. Do you do pillows? Do you do yes. like all the way down to like candlesticks and throws and blankets? Or is there kind of your cutoff of like, you're going to get the big things, but not every last bit and bob? Sure. I, it's all major furnishings, rugs, lighting, tables, um, pillows. Window treatments? Throws, window treatments, but not custom. Mm -hmm. um, Ready-made or semi-custom. Wallpaper suggestions for if, I was going to put some somewhere, paint colors. Um, yeah, just nothing. I don't do any structural changes. Accessories, I might throw in a handful. Um, art, I might throw in a handful of just like, you know, stuff from Minted, for example. Yeah. Um, or frameable, printable PDFs from that you can download from Etsy, th- those kind of things. But we're not doing fine art in a place like this, so in a project like this. So, yeah, it's all it's all included. Um, I don't typically do like flooring materials. Like if they were going to replace their flooring, I'm going to say, you know, I can suggest a kind of a color way to go, like a light white oak or whatever, but I'm not going to actually source that. There's just a little bit too much liability for that kind of work when I'm not on site. Yeah. That's a good question though. So that, so that helps me itemize the budget. So they get the furniture layout, color, the, the mood board, and I'm forgetting something. Um, Samples, swatches, is that not part of- not yet? No, not, just for the concept. Oh, we're still oh, in concept. Okay, yeah, just for concept. They're they're getting the layout, the budget, the mood board, and they're getting a few um, like one page with just a few big picture ideas of rooms that are showing kind of inspiration of what what I'm going for. So they get this in a PDF. And they usually get it about one week after we start, and they get a chance to review it, get comments back to me so that I can, you know, hear like, yes, you're heading in the right direction. We love it. Maybe if there were two different furniture layouts to consider, we've nailed one down. So now I know 
they're going to be very happy with a sectional. They're going to be very happy with two facing sofas. And I'm not going to present them a design and they're like, you know, I'm not really a sectional person. I kind of was thinking of a sofa and a pair of chairs, you know, and then you're starting all over. So getting that functionality piece really nailed down up front is pretty key to going on and sourcing the right things. I love the furniture layout idea because you're right. That addresses a lot of issues up front. And then when they get the actual design, there's a lot less margin for... There's no surprise. Dis- yeah, there's yeah, they're just you know they're they're already invested. They've seen a concept. They know what the layout's going to be and it's just a matter of filling in the blanks with the perfect pieces that you find for them. Sure. That fit with that vibe. That's awesome. Yours are a lot more I know I keep using the word high touch today. I'm getting sick of saying it myself. Your your <laughs> process does seem a lot more high touch to me. I have a different package that I actually call the design master plan. That's more like what you're talking about, but it's kind of a hybrid of like design only, but it's more in person. My design kit is definitely more hands-off. I don't do the concept phase. There's not a lot of communication. They hire me. We go through the welcoming stuff. I create the stuff. I send it to them. (laughs) There's time for revisions and then they're done. So interesting that you can kind of take this two different directions and you can spin it off to be a larger value, larger price package with more interaction like you have, or you could scale it back to just sort of have it be much more, I guess, virtual where you don't have those touch points along the way. Yeah. I think it's, I think designers should just think about what it is they want to provide, Right, you know, is, is, do they want a real budget friendly option um, if you want to do that, then you're going to need to take out some of those touch points that I've included along the way. Otherwise, you're just you're not going to be profitable, like you said. That you're going to be spending a lot of time on it. But my my price point reflects it. So I, this is why I'm really careful up front to express the value to clients when they um, hear you know the price point. They they already know what all is included up front. So yeah. So then. I move into sourcing and that's kind of where we pick back up together. And do you include all of the same things, all of the furniture and rugs and... Exactly. Yeah. Same things you include. I don't promise accessories just because I feel like, I mean, that to me is so much that has to be done in person in terms of scale and quantity. But honestly, if I, if I see something while I'm on my hunt for shopping, I'll probably throw it in on the Pinterest board and on the list just to let them know this is something that you might want to consider. Yeah. No, I, it's, it's pretty minimal in that regard um, for the same reason. So um, one of the things, once I'm done, one of the things that occurred to me very early on when I started providing the service was that um, I got feedback from an e-design client. I sent her a questionnaire and what I didn't realize was that she didn't have a printer at home. And so this was before I started doing physical kits and she had just a little Mac, you know, laptop computer. And she was going back and forth between all of the PDFs that I had sent her, you know, a list with all of the sources, um, all of the websites for purchasing and then the layout and then, um, you know, whatever else, the mood board that I had sent her. 
And it was just very, I don't know why she didn't have a printer, but it's not, none of my business. Some people don't need one, but I can't imagine my life without a printer. So it never occurred to me that this wouldn't be something she'd have. And so that was a moment where I had a, I had a light bulb moment and I thought to myself, I can't let this happen anymore. And that same client gave me some other really critical feedback was, she's like, once I got the package, I really didn't know if I could call, call you with questions. I mean, we did have a follow-up phone call, but once she started diving into the implementation part, questions came up for her and she didn't want to overstep her boundaries. She wanted to be respectful of me, which my goodness, like what a dreamy client. But at the same right. time, I didn't know that she had questions and had I known, I would have been happy to answer them. So that questionnaire was super helpful for me. And guys, this is why questionnaires for your clients is very important. You can really improve your process by getting client feedback. So wait, from wait, that point by on, questionnaire, you mean like a feedback form at the end, right? Yes. Not, not yeah, the yeah. questionnaire they'd fill out at the beginning. Okay. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah. So it's kind of a post design evaluation. You know, how is this process for you? What could be improved upon? Was there anything that you would do differently? That, those kind of things. So from that point on, I decided, you know what, from now on, I'm going to make this a better package and I'm going to raise the price. <laughs> and so I began to explore ways to deliver their package physically. And I decided on these really cool big sew boxes that you can buy at the container store. Actually, I think you buy them on Amazon now. And all of their package comes, including physical samples, um, will come in this kit that they get delivered to their house. Additionally, everything, all of the room layouts, the specifications, the mood board, um, the shopping list, all of that is printed out on super nice paper. And I include that as well, along with the handwritten note. And I package it all up in the physical kit and I mail it to them. And this way, they'll also get a digital version with links that are easy for shopping. But this allows them to have a paper copy. They're not using their own printer and ink. It's clearly packaged. They get the physical samples and honestly, they love it. And how so. much fun is that? Like seeing <laughs> it on the screen is one thing, but to get a box and to open it and, you know, yeah. And I know you jazz it up. I'm sure there's tissue paper and ribbons and handwritten notes and cookies and puppies and I don't know what Cham- else you put in there. Champagne. Champagne. <laughs> right. Do you actually Those put little like mini m- bottles of champagne in there? The pop. Yeah. I love it. See, I knew you do that. And that again, like this is what sets you apart from the online $79 room designs. Like they ain't sending you champagne to celebrate your new room with. I think that's such a great idea. I think this is a key thing too, to be able to remind your clients of, um, I keep, I put a letter, um, on the outside of the package that says, you know, open first. And it's just a note that says, Hey guys, thank you so much for letting me do this for you. I really enjoyed the process. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you love it. Um, I would encourage you to wait and open the package for when you can open it together as a couple, put the kids to bed, pour yourself a glass of wine, um, just take a minute to relax. This is not an Amazon package, okay? (laughs) This is something a little different. And uh, that has been the feedback that I've gotten on that has been great. Because what would happen is I would get like, really impulsive emails replying saying, Oh my gosh, Kate, we love it. And then like an email 10 minutes later saying, Hey, I have a question about such and such. And then another question about, and it was just like 10 emails. Well, now I include a form in there that was like, here's a, here's a note taking sheet. 
capture your thoughts, capture your comments, feedback, questions right now so that when we do our follow-up call, you have all of these fresh so you don't forget anything. Um, and that little note, I think, elevates the experience for them as well. That's so smart. I'm literally writing notes down myself right now. I'm like, I got to do this. <laughs> no, that's a great way. And so, uh, so many thoughts. <laughs> so I'm assuming then that you have communicated from the beginning that there is some sort of follow-up session for them after they yes. receive your kit. Because not everyone does that. Sometimes you get the kit and you're out of there. So the way no. you do it is, how, what are your parameters around that follow-up? Sure. So we have a one-hour video conference scheduled um, for after they get their kit. And then they have, I can't remember if it's 30 or 60 days, but something like that, where if they feel the need to call, set up a call with questions, they can take advantage of um, another phone call with me. Um, you know, and I, they always take advantage of it. So, you know, they'll have their immediate questions. I do give them an option for a handful of revisions. So, if, you know, in the whole scheme of things, maybe one or two things fell flat for them a round of revisions is included. I do cap it at like, I think it's three items. I'm not going to redo an entire package. That's um, what I was going to ask. Do you do you make the reselections and send a whole new package or does this come to them digitally? No, that comes digitally. Okay. So you can find a printer if you really need it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, so the one hour follow-up call that happens right after they get the package is a chance for them to ask for any reselections and they'll get those within a couple of days in a digital link in an email. Um, but then once they start diving into the purchasing and ordering and things start arriving and they're putting the room together, inevitably questions come up and it's things that we take for granted, like how high to hang curtains or how, to, where to, you know, exactly how high to hang the art. Um, and so you just want to make yourself available to them so that they can ask questions and they don't feel like they're doing it all on their own. And um, if I haven't heard from them in a little bit too, I will also just check in and say, Hey, I just wanted to see how things were going. Did you have any questions or, you know, and sometimes I'll get an email that says, Oh my gosh, thank you so much. We've just gotten bogged down with like soccer practice and work meetings. And I just feel like I've let this, I've let this go by the wayside and I haven't made time to do it. And, you know, I just, I empathize. I'm like, you know what? I totally get it. I understand. I'm a working mom. I, I know this is hard, but you invested in yourself and you're so close. You're right there. Like carve out an hour, you know, Saturday morning and go to a coffee shop and do it and have your husband watch the kids or whatever and just do whatever it is to give yourself the time. You deserve it. Your home deserves it. Your family deserves it. And not, I don't say your family deserves it. I don't want to shame them, but um, <laughs> it's really about them. It's like you deserve it. Um, you deserve this time and it's easier than you think. You just, you just have to get started. Um, so people enjoy, appreciate that little nudge too. So, um, that's it. They, and then they get that, the hour, the hour follow-up phone call. Um, I'm trying to think, I think that's it. I think it's important to, um, I set up the milestone dates from the very outset of the project. So from the time they receive their kickoff email that says, here's your, um, client toolkit. So this is their homework where they give some the instructions for the photos and measurements and all that 
from the date that they get that and the day that I get it back, they say, okay, I need one week for concept design. And then I set that date and then I need however many weeks for the actual design. I try to do these a bit faster than a typical design process because of the types of things that I'm sourcing. It's usually faster for me. That also creates more value for them than a full service design. Um, so let's just say two or three weeks and say, you should expect your package by such and such date. Um, I have found myself in a situation where I'm overnighting a package and it cost me $40 to send it. So make sure you plan ahead and don't do that because that's a hard expense to swallow. Um, from the very outset, I plan the follow-up phone call and, you know, a 30 or 60 day window for when they can access me with uh, emails or questions. The setting those I milestones. Love that you have that time limit, that the window, post project window where there is a limit. So, you know, they can't open their box in a year and come to you asking why everything's out of stock that you picked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. So yeah, setting, setting up those milestone dates in advance is I think pretty important. Yeah, that's great. I think like the, the biggest thing that I'm noticing for both of us, Kate, is that setting expectations is key to the success of uh, an e-design project because I think it's really easy to, I mean, sort of look at them like lesser projects, but those clients yeah. are investing money, they're investing time, they're trusting you. And if you can have that boutique level service, I know we've talked about that a lot this season and really elevating your brand mm. and your business, I think, you know, clear communication, managing expectations, over delivering, those are all the things that are going to help you command a price for these that will actually make you money instead of you charging $300 and spending 30 hours on a project. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, um, so I call mine simply design and it's the idea that you're simply getting the design, like, and that's it. You're not getting full service, meaning measuring photography, site visits and implementation and all of that, because that's full service, but it's a service that, you know, it, it is e-design because it is virtual, but it's, there's no reason why you couldn't market this locally with somebody that was the right fit. So, um, Keep that in mind too. I think we should also talk about how to CYA. You guys all know what that means, right? No, I don't even know what that means. Cover your... Oh, booty. Got booty. it. <laughs> yeah, CYB. Yeah. So one of the... A lot of questions I get around this is like, what are your thoughts on just liability? Like if something comes and arrives online, you know, they shop online and they don't see it in person and it's not a good fit for them and it wasn't what they expected. How do you, how do you handle that? I know how I handle it is, do you have a good process for that? Or is it any, is it something you've ever experienced before? Or is that? There's one project I can think of from last year where the client ordered curtains I had specified and they were sort of like a burnt orange and pale, pale gray, but they really looked like burnt orange and white on the website. So when she got them, she just kind of felt they looked dingy and not the right color. I've had that same experience. <laughs> the, funny, the funny thing is about this, these specific curtains, I have the same ones in my son's room. This was for her, her boy's room, and they were just the right fit for this project. And so I was able to just encourage her and let her know, you know, yes, I know it has a little bit more of a dark, you know, it's a little bit duller than it looks online. I think that's actually 
a really positive thing because it ties in with your sofa color and X, Y, and Z. So I was able to remind her sort of why I had made that selection, even if it didn't fully meet her expectations because she saw a photo and saw them being a little crisper and brighter. But there's often times where these can be opportunities to communicate your expertise and remind them of the bigger picture instead of having them get hung up on one piece that maybe doesn't look exactly like they had expected it to. Have you had something similar happen, Kate? I have. And this and this was very early on and it was way before I had honed my process. And I am pretty sure I hadn't done any sort of physical package to this point. There was no follow-up process. Um, and there weren't clear expectations set up. So, but at the same time, it was kind of ridiculous. Like the client clearly said to me, she wanted some sheer curtains on her front windows because they faced the street, but she wanted the natural light. So I sourced sheer curtains and she, and she had these, it was very common in the homes in Denver, but you know, the windows were designed at a height where they weren't optimal for ready-made lengths, you know, 84, 96, 72 and so on. And so I told her, it's like, without doing custom curtains, you're going, your best bet is to, to make them be the proper length is to buy curtains that are a little bit longer, take them to your local seamstress and have them hemmed to this specific length. You know, this is a step that I would do if I was doing full service for her, but that wasn't something she was willing to pay for. And so the curtains came, she sort of hung them up against the wall. She was like, but they're white and they make my walls look dingy. (laughs) And I had suggested a fresh coat of paint because it was evident, but I was like, I can't help it that your walls look dingy. You need to paint them. It's not the shears fault. (laughs) You wanted white, like you wanted white shears. Um, so there was that. She was like, and now I got to take them to the seamstress to be hemmed. Like that's, that's a lot of work. And I was just kind of like, yeah, that's what people pay me to do this stuff. Like, I'm willing to do it. Here's my hourly rate. So this is a very awkward moment of me like, I don't know what you didn't understand about how this works, but I'm telling you, like, I'm willing to do all of this for you and come and hang in myself. Like, and this is my hourly rate. And she was just like, but I didn't, I was just like, well, do you want curtains that are the right length or do you want some high waters? Like, I don't know what to tell you, lady. So that was just a tricky one to navigate. And I, and I imagine if, it happened today. I would, I may have handled it differently, but, um, this is why, you know, I have the process built that I do. Um, a couple of other things too. I set clients expectations up very early on that if they are kick the tires kind of people, um, make that very clear to me. Um, because I'm going to source from brick and mortar stores, places where they can go actually shop, um, in town. Now living in Waco, that's a little bit harder because there's, fewer select fewer places to shop but at least austin and dallas are within arm's reach um but brick and mortar stores make it very easy to do returns so i try to keep that in mind especially for anything that's furniture that could be difficult to return um obviously custom furniture is what it is if they pick up you know if we do a custom sofa, which you can do through brick and mortar stores. So making that very clear to them, making returns easy, um, and just making them aware that this is something that, you know, they're going to be responsible for if it, if it isn't a good fit. But I, I do, I try to make it pretty solid choices too. And 
minimize risks that way. Yeah, that makes sense. I like the idea of connecting with brick and mortars because then perhaps they still get a little hand-holding throughout the buying process instead of online. And I think both are great. I tend to focus on online vendors for my e-design projects, mainly because a big part of it was living in Waco. There was just not a lot available right there that I loved. And because I'm working with people all over the country and even in Canada, I've got clients all over the place. It is definitely easier for everybody if, um, especially when we go international, to pick Mm -hmm. vendors that I know they can just access on their computer. Right. I think this is why the sampling process is important too, providing those physical samples. Yes. Because you can't, it's, you, you know, the things that you print out and send them and the screen, they're, they're not going to be true to color the way that physical samples are. But even then, dye lots can change on, on fabric. So um, I think it's just setting up their expectations. I agree. You know, that this is something they're responsible for at the end of the day. And we have to remember with the expectation part is that part of why we are designers is we have the ability to visualize, to see how all these pieces play together, to understand color and pattern and how they relate. Clients don't. That's part of why they're hiring us typically. So the more visuals and the more information we can provide them about confidently communicating what the end result is going to be, I think the happier they are as well. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Ooh, one more thing I just thought about was um, getting through doorways. Um, There is something included in my client homework that has information on measuring your doors to make sure that the furniture you buy can get into your home. <laughs> I'm literally writing that one down too. That is so smart. I've never thought to ask that. And I know you need to, if you're bringing in a sectional, you have to factor doorways in. in tight corners. and <laughs> yeah, Guys, I so this wasn't for a client. This is for me. When we were in Texas, I bought this cool settee secondhand, had it reupholstered, We got it home only to realize the legs didn't unscrew. They were actually part of the frame, which is great quality, but it (sighs) meant that literally we could not get this thing down the hall into our master bedroom, which is where it was going to live. Thankfully, it fit through the window. So every time we've had to move this settee, we've had to completely take out (laughs) our master bedroom window. And in the new house, it's in my son's room now. And I'm telling you, by the skin of our teeth, the movers got that thing into his room. And I was like, oh, had I known, I never would have bought this piece of furniture. It just, and that's things to look at too, is, you know, we, we often make assumptions about furnishing, especially with sofas or, you know, love seats that legs unscrew, but not, not everything does kids. So yeah. those are important yeah. questions, <laughs> important questions to ask clients about clearances and doorways. And also important to know from the vendors you're specking from what size the pieces will actually be to move them in. Are, I don't know, arms removable? Are legs removable? Are there things right. that give them more flexibility? How many pieces does the sectional come in? Oh, so smart, Bendewald. So many questions. So many questions. Let's talk um let's talk about money for a second because I think a lot of our listeners are probably asking themselves like what would you charge for this level of service and um the short answer is math. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um at this point you've probably done a, a number of projects maybe you have maybe you haven't but 
I want you to start with writing out your process very beginning to very end, everything from that initial phone call to that final wrap-up phone call and everything in between. Um, And think about what you want to offer or what you don't want to offer. Maybe you don't want to do every single step. Maybe you're okay with not doing a physical box, you know, and that's fine. But write out every single step and then start to estimate or calculate what would it actually take you to do all of those things that are must-haves. Like you must send this email. You must um, put together this package. You must source, you know, this many things approximately for a living room, for a bedroom, for a whatever the case may be. Um, and you take all of that and then you're going to want to add a little bit of a buffer. Yes. You're going to think about things like if you are sending a physical kit, think about the cost to buy the box, buy any packaging materials that go with it. Um, let's be honest, paying for a little bottle of uh, champagne, if you want to include that, what does it cost? Is it $12? Add that into your, you know, your cost to put this package together. Um, shipping it, how much is it going to weigh on average? How far are you going to send it? And just make sure you're covering all of those costs on top of your time so that you can price your package accordingly. Yeah. And there's probably lots of other expenses. If you really think about it, like the time for you or someone on your team to printing, yeah, take that box to the post office, printing ink, you know, you're not going to itemize an invoice with these things, but you need to have generous margins on these so that those expenses are covered. And then some, you cannot be losing money serving design clients. That is a hobby, not a business. You will be on the street. Lots of talk today about being homeless. Don't be homeless guys. Charge good money sell good services, go be awesome. <laughs> yeah. I've just, I'm so like burnt from losing money on projects like this before that I'm just like preaching profits right now. Like if they can't afford you, sell them on a lower tier service. Don't try to make accommodations for them to fit into packages you have. Design kits or e-design is going to be too expensive for some people too. And that's okay. Even if to you, it's mm-hmm. one of your lower end offerings. I've certainly had people tell me I'm it's it's out of my league and yeah, that's okay. And I'm just like, well, there there are other options out there and I'm sure you'll find something that's a good fit for you. Yeah. Or instead um, of that, you offer them a designer for a day package, you know, for six hours correct. with you or a two-hour consultation. There's always ways to downsell, but don't undersell, don't undervalue your services because while e-design is kind of getting popularized as the cheap and cheerful option – you know that your hand is in every step of that (laughs) and you are giving incredible custom designs for a reasonable price. So do the math, figure out the time it takes, times your hourly rate plus expenses plus profit. And you might barf when you actually look at the number. And if that's the case, then maybe you can revisit the level of detail your packages go into, the number of touch points, There's ways to do it to find a sweet spot, but please do not discount your services and still give a fully custom high level for less money than you're worth. Yes. I've had clients, when I tell them the price, they're like, well, I don't really want a whole room. I just need like a few things for this space. And then I'm like, you you know what? I just don't know if this is a fit for you. Um, Maybe designer for a day is a better fit. Um, So you're absolutely right. It's not, don't, 
don't ever negotiate either on your oh yeah your your rate if you negotiate uh, yeah not negotiating is not in in my vocabulary it's for the, the most same part. as when you have toddlers you cannot negotiate no. <laughs> they will take you You'll down be doomed yeah yeah <laughs> Hey, you know, just a couple of things that I want to mention before we wrap up here is when um, talking about value for your clients, there's a couple of things that I think will help you um, sell this service better. Um, number one is on your website, when you're talking or sharing about this as an option, I would avoid the temptation to share every single little bitty detail of the process. I have made that mistake and mm. I think it becomes overwhelming and it creates more questions than answers for people. And so I, I would be careful to just summarize the features and the benefits. You know, for example, you're going to get a physical package with all of the samples so that you can touch and feel the materials before you actually make a final decision. You're going to get a room layout so that you can see how everything fits together before you actually make that investment. <laughs> you know, saving them time, money, and mistakes is still what we're doing. Um, maybe we're not saving them as much time because they're doing some of the legwork themselves, but we're saving them money and mistakes by doing the hard thinking for them. Um, well, you hit the so nail on the head with that is that focusing on the outcome and mm -hmm. less about the process. We all think oh, yeah. selling our process is going to set us apart. Here's how Not I do it. And process is so all. important. You guys know that. From a client-facing perspective, they don't care. They want to know what's yeah. in it for them and the outcomes. Yes. And I think the way you described that, Kate, was awesome. Yes. I And and I and I just am saying this because I've done it before. I, I was like, A to Z, here's how it goes. 300 steps. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, wait, do you do any of the work here? Or is this yeah, all on me? Like, what's happening? It, Exactly. And they're like, what are you, like, what are you actually doing? Like, why am I paying all you? All the work, right. So just making sure that you're focusing um, on that value. Um, you'll have a chance to outline the process a bit more uh, in your phone call. And then the whatever sort of thing that you send them to kick it off is going to outline things a little bit more in detail. But um, just and when you're on that phone call with them, get really excited. Say like, listen, this is just a dynamite service. You get all of me, all of my ideas. I'm going to help you figure this space out. I'm going to help you make it beautiful. You're going to love it. And you're going to get it at a fraction of the cost so that you can save that money and spend it on your furnishings by doing a little bit of the legwork yourself. And I'm going to make it really easy for you. I'm going to send you a little kit that's going to give you quick and easy directions for measuring your space. It doesn't have to be perfect, but it's going to be your you're going to do this and you're going to be surprised at how easy it is. I'm going to ask you to send me some pictures. And at the end of the day, you're going to have everything you need to put together a beautiful space. And you're going to feel like you just created a major life hack and I'm going to help you. Major life hack. That's so good. Be super excited about it. Tell them the benefits. Um, and don't forget, I talked about this in a few episodes again, selling without sleaze is when you're wrapping up that phone call, before you start to dive into pricing, you're going to say to them, do you have any more questions before we talk about pricing? Do you have any questions about the process or what's included? And give them a chance to ask specific questions related to the process or what's included before you talk pricing. And then you could go into pricing and you can say, okay, so for a living room, my rate is blah, blah, blah. And... It includes 
Don't forget to remind them what it includes. It includes the layout so that you can see how everything fits. It includes the mood board to show you how everything works together. You just remind them of everything that comes with and why. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Mic drop. But don't drop these mics because they're expensive and they're plugged in. So (laughs) a few key takeaways. Kate, what is just one thing that you want people to take away from what you have learned about e-design over your career? Ooh, just one thing. Well, I mean, you can um, say more, but let's start with one. <laughs> no, I, I think just make, just deliver quality. Just that. Don't make it cheap. Don't make it generic. Make it beautiful. Have it be on brand. Have it be a true experience. Um, you know, have them kind of forget that it's e-design. Ooh, I like that. Also, that was like seven things, but I'll, I'll let it slide. <laughs> it's quality. It's all, it's quality at every yeah. touch point along the way. What I would definitely want designers to know is that you are not here to compete with the big online design services. I know it might look on the surface like they're doing the same thing as you. And I know your clients might even think they're doing the same thing as you. But if they really want interior design for 200 bucks, then you need to send them that way because you cannot sustain a business on that. And what you offer is personalized, customized, interactive. I mean, you're delivering such a custom service with these. Virtual does not exempt you from getting paid well. You are doing a great service, long distance or otherwise, and you deserve to charge well and have fun. The more you yeah. do, the great thing about e-design I have found, the more you do, the faster you get. You get to know right. your vendors better. You get to know what's out there. You get to know the process. The faster you yeah. do it, the more profitable you are. I'm dude, let's profits. Let's do this, guys. Let's make these businesses <laughs> successful. Sure. I, you know, and I think too, I've had this question. I've, I've literally had people say like, I don't understand why your stuff is so expensive when I can go get free e-des- free design services from a store or I can go to... You know, I don't want to drop names, but you know the people out there that do this. And I was like, look, you take the service that I'm offering and I'm going to send you a follow-up PDF that's going to include all of the details of what's I'm inclu- what of what's included. And then I want you to go to comp- compare what you get with this other service. And I guarantee you, it doesn't hold a candle. Bingo. Yeah. It's a good service to have. I think, I think designers should have some version of this. Just figure out what works best for you. Make sure that you're charging accordingly and that you're making a profit. I love it. Yeah. Like, Cause when, when a client isn't a fit for full service or another higher end offering you have, this is a great way. This kind of can be a downsell that still ends up being an amazing project for you. Yep. All absolutely. Right. So if you have not already, remember to download your free mini business toolkit. It's on our website at designersgettingcoffee.com. You're going to find in there an install day box checklist, a handy reference guide with typical design project hours, which will help you estimate and figure out your e-design package rates. It's got our favorite design and business tools and a lot more. So go ahead and grab yours at designersgettingcoffee.com. Final thoughts, KB? I'm ready for the weekend. <laughs> Here she goes. The karaoke's starting early. <laughs> no, I have I have so much more work to do today. It's not starting for quite a while. So, no. Good to see you. You too, Glad friend. Glad to be back. Let's go, everybody. Let's go Friday hard. Let's end this week strong. Go kick butt and have an awesome weekend. We'll see you here next Friday. Bye. Bye. 
Hey designer, thanks for sharing part of your day with us. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes so we can continue to connect with badass design bosses like you. We love to hear your feedback. For more designers getting coffee and to join the conversation, head over to designersgettingcoffee.com for show notes, free downloads, and more. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at designersgettingcoffee.